Welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 89, The Nerd Locker. I'm Brendan. And I'm Spindles. And as we have been away for so long, we have got so much to catch up on in this episode. So we are going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok, Stranger Things Season 2, The Punisher on Netflix, uh, Spindles bit the bullet and watched Justice League, so I didn't have to this time round. So we'll talk about <laughs> that too. And... I'm sure we'll fit a few more things in as well. Well, there's likely a whole bunch of stuff. There's you know Doctor Who reveals all over the place yeah. and forthcoming stuff for Christmas there's and Black Doctor Jedi and there's, there's our Doctor Who thing as well. Oh, indeed, yes, yeah. yes, there is that. Which if you if you've not been paying attention online, then you should have, yeah. and you'll see more of that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to think: Have we podcasted since we recorded that thing? I, I, I'm fairly sure we did. I think I think we came back and we said about going out and recording it, and that you, people should watch out for it in the future. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's there, and you, you get right next to Kevin Smith on the posters. Dude. I know, right? I know. Isn't that Post, awesome? The poster says Brendan Guiley, Kevin Smith. So I know happy. you <laughs> top billing above Kevin Smith. Go you! I, I, I top billing above you, so that means I'm yeah, even yeah, you do. To be fair, but <laughs> um, yeah, so that's exciting. So where shall we start? I mean, I know that this is going to be um, a lot of this has been covered already by a lot of people, but this is our take on these shows. It will have, but again, I'd like to start with Stranger Things. Yes, absolutely. Go on. Cool. Okay, I loved it. Absolutely. Um, I yeah, I loved it. I didn't even mind the weird sort of episode seven. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was an excellent episode. So I'm kind of falling down on that polar opposite of it that, you know, I think it was a great way to break from the action and see what she was up to because it had been building to it for the entire season. I also think that's going to play a key part in season three. Yeah, indeed. You know, I, I think that the introduction of, you know, at least one of the other characters at this stage has been, uh, it, it's a, a great way of kind of moving the plot forward. Yeah. We know there are a whole bunch of the other kids out there. I, I, I'd say bring it on. It's 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 going to be really interesting to see kind of what their abilities are and how they fit into the, the the kind of wider narrative. Absolutely, I was quite happy with it. I like the, I like the entire the breakaway. Um, people were saying it was like it felt like a, a backdoor pilot for a Grant Morrison Invisibles TV show as well. Okay, I see. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm not possibly. Sure. I'm not sure. I think that's probably reading too much into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, it's it. It is its own thing. I don't think it needs to tie into existing material at all. I, I think it'd be hard to tie it into anything. I think it works so well because it is so standalone. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, I think that's the reason why it does work is because yeah. it isn't tied to anything. It's a completely original idea. Um, but they managed to keep it interesting for a second season. Yeah, yeah. Which was the indeed. really, which was the really key. That was, that was the key thing for us, um, as we saw the trailers of Comic Con and we looked forward to it. Was how are they going to keep it interesting moving into season two? And to me, the easiest way of describing it is: Stranger Things season two is to Stranger Things what Aliens was to Alien. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was it, it, it upped the stakes in terms of bad guys, and yeah. it gave them several different ways of actually being able to fight back against them as well. Yeah, and we got more in terms of we got more character development. I think we we lost a few characters as well. We uh, did, and a few characters kind of felt a little bit superfluous and as if we were treading the same ground. I felt that the uh, that the older brother character was kind of retreading the ground we traded with Steve in season one. Yeah, but uh, did you watch Beyond Stranger Things? I haven't yet, no. Okay. That's it, 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 it's one of those things that's queued up on Netflix for us to just find five minutes, well, not five minutes, but however long it is. Is, is, is it just one episode, or is no, it like it's, an episode-by-episode episode commentary? Eight episodes, and it's interviews. Right. It's really worth watching, but I think um, Billy, Steve was kind of redeemed in the first season and what yes, they he want, was yeah and what they wanted for the second season was they wanted a human antagonist who was irredeemable which is why billy was the way he was but then they made him redeemable but they didn't not really they they, but they, they did they, they gave, put him they in gave max power over him they gave max power uh, yeah, over but him. then but then you saw him crumble and it was that same kind of you know he, oh he is like he is because of this and if only you gave him a chance then he'd redeem himself I don't think it's quite as straightforward as it was with Steve in season one. I think it, it, I think we just, see it, we see that he's okay. he's definitely been called on the fact that he's a bully. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think as yet we've had any redemption for him. I don't think I don't think his father beating him was a redeeming act. No, no, I don't think there is any redemption for him. But I think it was it was playing on the same things and it was setting him up to be like the jock asshole character. Um, and, and, and why he had to spend most of the series topless, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you could just see them before they take the shot, just like rubbing him in like chip yeah. oil. <laughs> oil him up, boys. <laughs> oil him up and let him go. But yeah, as as being a human villain for the piece, I thought I thought he worked rather well. Um, I thought Max as well. I thought her dynamic was great mm. with the group. Uh, if there's anyone I've got to admit, I nerded out over all the arcade references in it. Yep. So many references throughout the entire thing. Like, um, which, you know, oh, this brings me back to the Superpod in Southampton this year. Do you remember when mm. I was raging about what constitutes an Easter egg? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I went off on one again on Twitter about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw, someone, I saw someone put out a list, and they were saying things like, Look how Dart is afraid of light. This is a reference. This is an Easter egg for Gremlins. It's like it's not an Easter egg for Gremlins because it's just a direct reference. It's a plot point, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of monsters, you know, have a lighter version. It's a it's a Gremlins reference. There is a Gremlins Easter egg in that episode, but it's not when you see. You have to listen for it. Mm. Um, when Dart's back legs pop out. For yep. one measure in the soundtrack, the Gremlins tune is worked into the score. I think I remember that. Where it just goes, yeah, ba 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 ba. Yeah, yeah. Both me and Emma picked up on that one, and we were like, yeah, nice. <laughs> like that's an Easter egg because it's not yeah. obvious. It's yeah, something indeed. like you have to try and find. Uh, but yeah, but that's that's the great thing is, it, is yeah, that's a true Easter egg that you have to be that nerdy to be able to pick up on it. Yeah, uh, and like my housemate spotted one that I didn't get. Um, again, it's more of a reference than an Easter egg, but it's much more subtle. 
the whole thing with Steve, uh, no, with uh, Jonathan and Nancy when they're at that conspiracy nuts house. Yeah, the whole back and forth about the the bed and who's going to sleep with who. That was a Temple of Doom reference. All right, okay. That's Indy and his lady friend in that film have the same sort of back and forth, and then both standing at the door and then giving into themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I completely missed that, but my housemate's yeah, that. no, I, I didn't pick up on that one. Um, where were we? I, I, I got us lost on a tangent already. We're eight, <laughs> we're eight minutes in, and I've got us lost. <laughs> really, we've got on a tangent, us, but we're so professional. <laughs> uh, I think we we're talking about Max, weren't we? Um, yes, we were. As, yes. as a new character, yeah, I liked what she brought to it. I thought she was great. Um, the love triangle thing was interesting, I guess. Uh, certainly gave yeah. Caleb, gave Caleb and Dustin something to do. But then it just it seemed like that kind of got dropped, and Dustin just went off with his small slimy thing instead. Yeah, uh, but then Dustin went off with with, with Steve, and then had the jealous hair. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Like, I mean, Me- Me- Megan is like totally in love with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just like he's like a dead mother that <laughs> this this mythical babysitter character who just like goes and sorts problems out with a baseball bat full of nails. But he was the absolute hero of the entire story. Hell yeah, he was. Um, yeah, no, Steve was brilliant. Uh, but it was a real rite of passage for him as well as everybody else in the show. Yes. That was just great. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, yeah, so I'm trying to think of what the other character. It was nice that Will kind of got the chance to do a lot more acting, even if he did kind of spend most of the film flipping out, most of the yeah. series flipping out, sorry. But I thought he did a great job. Like, some I, of the scenes he, he had job. with with Ryan Ryder are really uncomfortable. Like, yeah, but I, I think I just got very, very sick of Winona Ryder just running around going, Weedle, Weedle. <laughs> in fact, I spent most of the season uh, basically aping it from Lost, that it was season one of Lost. World! World! <laughs> Fair enough. It was exactly the same thing. I was just like, oh, for fuck's sakes, Really? Winona, I don't think there's a single scene in the entire series where Winona Ryder isn't on the verge of tears. I know, but... And I just, I I got so fucking sick of that by the end. I thought she played it perfectly, though. I thought that was exactly how she would be. Possibly, but just, it it felt, it it just feels like a one-note character. Uh, I, I don't know. I think she had the whole thing with Bob as well. Ah, but yeah, so Sean Astin. Sean Astin was great. And however, uh, I, I I literally foretold exactly what was going to happen to him based on 24. Really? Yeah, his character went out in exactly the same way as it did in 24, apart from the fact it was a nerve gas that killed him in 24. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was it was it was note perfect for how he died in twenty four because it was in uh, they were stuck in CTU. So this is spoilers for what season six of twenty four, I think. If you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen season six of twenty four by now, you're probably never going to. Yeah. Um, so there, there's like nerve toxin all throughout CTU, and it's eating through the um, the, the membranes into the, the sealed rooms that they're all in, 
and he that somebody has to go out and restart the air conditioning or the, the extraction filters. And so he kind of flies out and he has no way of getting back and he holds his breath and uh, resets it all. And then the air, the, the air filtration all comes back on and he holds his breath for as long as he can. And then he kind of gasps and hold, uh, and then sucks in the air and he's like, oh, I'm alive, I'm alive. And then probably nice. starts vomiting up his organs. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be that guy. Indeed. So it, it, it's like basically exactly the same death. Fair enough. Um, but it just it just struck me as amusing because I kind of said, "Well, this is what's going to happen." And of course, Megan and Emma have never seen Twenty Four, so they were just like, "Oh my god, are you psychic?" Okay, I've got I've got a question then. Yep. Does this say something about me in particular that when I first saw Bob, I thought he was a bad guy? Like when he's talking to Will in the car about that time you have to face. He's, he's had to stop and say, go away and face the, the bully. Yeah. I thought there's something going on here. Who is this guy? He's just mysteriously turned up in this woman's life. Now, mm. what, what secret organization is he working for? And what does he know? And why is he a bad guy? And why is he doing this? Uh, and I wondered, and did you feel bad when you realized he was just a Radio Shack nerd? I did. Like, <laughs> I, oh my God, I was so hard on you. Yeah, like, I, I wanted him to die so much and then uh, I think it's the episode where in episode 5 they've got the map mm. and uh, he says what's at the cross? Pirate treasure? Goonies! And I was just like Goonies, awesome, okay yeah. I'm warming <laughs> up to him then and then yeah like I was gutted when he died Like I got a snapchat from a friend of mine who'd just seen it and she was in tears and like uh. the next day she was still in tears uh, um, Bob dying on, on Stranger Things all, all I felt was just righteous uh, vindication, so I was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, apparently he was supposed to die a lot earlier, according to some kind of interviews I'd read. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Will, point after he'd given that advice, Will was supposed to get possessed and then kill him. Will was meant to kill him, yeah. Yeah. Which, Which would have been, been an interesting dynamic. Well, no, uh, do you know what? I think that would have kind of worked. Really? Yeah. Because I think that they they kind of downplayed that kind of possession angle a bit. I think they could have done a hell of a lot more with it. Yeah, it became a lot more obvious during the uh, episode of The Spy. Yeah. And I thought that was really good. And I thought the way they used the tension and that they used episode seven as the break. Because episode six with the Debbie dogs start coming out of the pit. And it's episode eight then when it resolves. I thought that was good. I think I... I, I, I one thing I remember about that was wanting to call them Demogore dogs. <laughs> oh, the Demogorgs. <laughs> See, I, I just thought Demogore dogs sounded better. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, other little things that made me cry then, because it wouldn't be a TV show <laughs> that's that the theme we're on. <laughs> having some sort of reaction. Uh, so it was it was spotted and pointed out, and I found it to be true. Um, all the way through season one, Bob Hopper is wearing like a blue hairband on his wrist. Ah, yes, this. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's his daughter's hairband from yeah. when she goes into chemo and loses her hair, and he's wearing it all the way through season two as well. And then at the dance, at the very end, at the snowball, Eleven is wearing it. Indeed, on yes. her wrist, and I was like, 
floods. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair. That was so lovely. So, so lovely. Um, yeah. The yeah, big question I, I think, is... Sorry, I was just going to say, I thought Hopper was one of the most interesting characters well, and, and has consistently been one of the most interesting characters because, again, he's one of the... This show seems to like taking kind of the jock asshole characters and turning them into like rounded human beings. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Hopper is another example of that, that, you know, he was the high school jock who's now turned into the town sheriff, but he's not an asshole or he is an asshole, but in the right kind of way. And then all the stuff with his daughter and, her, and that kind of arc with 11. Yeah. I, 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 that was some of the most powerful scenes for me was just that argument scene between those two when 11 destroys the house. Yeah. That was just phenomenal. Yeah. It's like, how do you try and parent a child with such immense power? But especially when, you know, and, and, and I absolutely swear he knew that he was being an asshole at that point. Oh, we did. And was sure. literally just doing it to make a point. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I, yeah, that, those interactions, I think, for me, were some of the finest in the series. So where do you think it's going to go next? I have my theories. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it kind of builds on, on what they've introduced with the kind of, you know, giant Lovecraftian beasties and starts taking us down that road. I'm, and I'd like to see more of the, the kind of experiments coming back and, and seeing what the point is of them. Well, because I kind of get the feeling that 11 and her abilities is a kind of accidental byproduct of what they were trying to achieve yeah maybe and then the the kind of matthew modine thing so yeah i think there's a whole load of stuff there that that's kind of unresolved and i kind of want to know a bit more about what the rationale of of the experiments was okay so one one plot for season three then is a look at the science yeah it's you know is it kind of like a fringe unit are they trying to actually achieve something or you know because because the fact that the the kids have got different abilities says to me that they weren't trying to just generate what 11 does yeah that they were essentially being like a fringe x-files type unit of investigating paranormal phenomena okay that's what you so think. I, yeah, I'd like more of that. That's where you think it's going. Okay. Well, that, that's what I'd like. I don't know whether that's the way it would go. I'd I, I just like more answers on that. Well, the way I think it's going is I think that in closing the gate at the end of season two, um, the Mind Flayer sensed the true power in this realm in Eleven. And I think season three is going to see the Mind Flayer coming after her. I think we might see Eleven start to degenerate into approaching the big bad of the season. Okay, so Eleven goes dark side. Yeah, I think, to a point, I think that I think the reason Callie was introduced and the reason that bond was made in this series is I think Callie's going to come and she's going to, she's going to remind Eleven of who she is. And I think she's going to bring Eleven back. 
but in the process leave herself open to the mind flayer. And I think it's going to be a combination of Callie versus Eleven. One of them possessed by the mind flayer leading to the finale of season three. Okay. That's the way I that's the way I see it going. Do we think Will's going to progress at all in terms of powers? Um maybe. Or do we think that's it, he's done and he's back to just being a norm again? No, I think he's I think his connection is too is too deep. I think so. I think yeah. I, I I feel that he's got a bigger role to play. But I think if we've gone beyond the, I th- well, I think he's going to be the reason to go back. If the gate's closed, he's had the true sight through to the upside down. Yeah. I think with the gate closed now, it's hard to get to. But I think he's going to have sort of a a planar walking power. You know, so he can planescape. Yeah, yeah. To the upside down. That would be the next. Obvious D and D stuff, wouldn't it? Yes, having yeah, to be a planescaper. Yeah, totally. um, I just want—is it Mikey Finn Wolfhard's character? Mike? Um, Mike, yes. Yeah, I just want him to be interesting. Like he irritated me so much this season. He was yeah. such a dick. Yeah, he was a dick throughout the entire thing of the. It's, it's our club and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, he was such a whiny douchebag to Max, and like. Yeah. Oh, he was so petty and so petulant. And I guess he's lost the love of his life and, you know, all that. But uh, seriously, that, that doesn't was, mean you're an asshole to everyone. Yeah, that was that was the downside of the season for me. Yeah. Really, was, was, was his character just evolving like that. Um, but otherwise, it was fantastic. I've watched it three times. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. No, I've only seen it the once. But I did buy the soundtrack. Nice. On vinyl? <laughs> yeah, of course. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got one red, one white disc. Nice. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's stick with Netflix. Yep. Uh, the Punisher. Punisher. I was very, very impressed with that. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> Not going to lie. I was really impressed. It wasn't the Punisher I thought it was going to be. It wasn't all out guns and violence. Um, I thought it was remarkably well composed, brilliantly shot. I thought some of the sound design was exceptional. Um, It did drag a little, but not as much as Daredevil Season 2, or anywhere near as badly as uh, Iron Fist or Defenders. Randy Bland? (laughs) I, I think the fact that it had one plot and one villain for the entire series was great. It kept it more focused. It didn't I, I definitely think so. It didn't change halfway through. Um I thought John Berenthal as the Punisher was just perfectly cast. I liked Micro. I thought he was great as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I thought it was great. I I, I loved the well, I mean, this is just coming from the uh, I think it was the Punisher uh, computer game. I, I I loved the idea of the environmental assists in in the kills and how he set up his rooms. Yeah. So I I, I loved the way he planned out a lot of the stuff. So it was it, it was brutal. I think is probably my main words for it. You know, more so than Daredevil. Um. Well, that's the thing. See, I watched Daredevil season two again recently as well. Um, and it's actually no more brutal than Dead Elf Season 2. Yeah. And actually, 
on a rewatch, Daredevil season two is actually a pretty good season. If you remove was, all the Electra stuff and yeah. all the hand stuff and just treat it as uh, a Punisher prequel, it's really fucking good. Yes. The Matt Murdock Punisher stuff is absolutely fantastic in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I, I loved the fact that we got... Um, oh, I can't remember the, the character's name. The, uh, the girl from True Blood. Oh, um, Karen Page. Karen Page. I, I loved that she was back in this as a full-on character. That was great because I felt she was a bit underused in the Defenders. Oh, in Defenders, she was absolutely arbitrary. Uh, yeah. Dead of Season 2, she's awesome. Yeah, indeed. It was, it was nice I, to see her back as a reporter as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought she was a brilliant character and I thought using her as a foil to the uh, the kind of domestic terrorist was an amazing, amazing storyline. Yeah. I think I, I like a lot of these shows that they that they seem to be focusing on a lot of very very interesting kind of discussions that are happening in society at the moment, and I think it was very very brave of them to take this kind of domestic terrorism uh, veterans uh, plotline at a point when America is you know, being ran by who it is and, and a lot of its kind of overt political statements at the moment. Yeah, well, I think we should see more of that. I think <clears throat> in times like this, um, our culture right, but goes one of two ways. We either get the ego massaging of 80s US cinema, which just shows the American hero, or we start to get some sort of protest uh in in our in our music as the punk yeah but i i i do think you're kind of in a very odd situation using the punisher to make that statement because essentially the punisher always wins because guns so much as i appreciated the statement i think it was kind of the wrong series to make it in I don't know whether that's me getting a bit too political on it, but I, I just think that the the Punisher is essentially a character that wins by force of arms. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I'm like... And so I think, to, you know, much as I applaud the kind of anti-gun mentality that the, that it was trying to strike and, the, you know, the idea that America generates its own terrorists and needs to worry about what it's doing to itself rather than what other people are doing to it was, you know, it's a very, very valid statement, but I think to frame the Punisher as the answer to that is not necessarily the right way of going. Maybe. Um, I like that they tried though. I I love that they tried and I love that they're having the discussion that's and that's amazing but he isn't like a lot of the stuff with him is the, is the consequence so the fact that he, he holds off killing for so long in the first episode that he's dragged back into it um and he doesn't seem to like it but then but then he gets to the point of like right okay so if, if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna need these guns so i'm gonna go and steal all these guns yeah. and then now i can win yeah 
Yeah. So true. you know, I I I I just think it it stands on shaky ground trying to make those kind of anti-gun statements when their lead character is going out and getting the biggest guns he can because then he can win. Yeah, it's a fair point. But I mean, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved the way that they they did it and the way that they that they were making those points. Uh, I especially loved the, uh, the you know the interactions, as I said, between Karen and the and the kind of domestic terrorist. Yeah, I think it definitely just opens up debate there, and I think the probably the most genius episode, as far as I was concerned, was. The assault on the hotel one, episode ten. Yeah, yes, that was so brilliant. We get different, to see the different, same thing, different timelines and yeah. different people's perspectives. That's the kind of thing I love. It was very vantage point. Yeah, it was great. It was a really solid episode. Um, yeah, thought that was amazingly well done. I commented on the music on Twitter quite a bit. I did a little bit of commentary. Uh, episodes one through three. Music was kind of interesting. Afterwards, mm-hmm. it kind of became more sort of what you'd expect, more sort of uh, tropish, I guess. But for the first episode is mostly quiet. It's a very quiet, very silent episode in terms of the, the soundtrack, um, <clears throat> yeah. which helps you feel that the isolation of Frank Castle and his isolation side of PTSD and his post Daredevil season two antics. Um, and then I think season episode two, I think there was uh, I spotted some 60s, 70s style swing beat on drums. Okay. Kind of evocative of like old 70s detective dramas. And then in episode three, that's when we finally get his big flashback to the the big um, kill spree he goes on. Yeah. At Kandahar. It was Kandahar, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and they, they play out that montage to a really sort of mournful country ballad rather than this fast-paced action pumping track you know Mm. Um, and i thought that was a really interesting choice because it kind of highlighted the sorrow inherent in his decision at that point and really that was a point of no return for him he he was always going to be there no matter when he came back to the u.s he was always going to be in that moment Mm. um, which is Really, the heart of the Punisher, yeah. I think. But yeah, then, but unfortunately, like for the rest of the series, the music choices become kind of generic. But for those three episodes, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool. <laughs> They're doing something interesting here." Um, but yeah, it's it's tough being a nerd, isn't it? When you you want to look for something that fits, and you just go, mm, "That's just dross." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the show as a whole was fantastic. It was a really, really good show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a, a strong return to force. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was great. I think. Uh, I I don't know. Was I a little bit underwhelmed at Ben Barnes? I don't yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know whether I was underwhelmed at Ben Barnes or I just wasn't surprised that he was the bad guy. Yeah, that, that's the that's the only thing that doesn't really fit very well with um, what we know of Frank Castle from Daredevil already. Yeah, because Karen Page does some. Deep, deep dive investigation to Frank Castle in Daredevil season two, and that guy never comes up. Indeed, so, yeah. and you know it's like he's kicking around. He's an ex colleague. He's now running a security outfit, yeah. and it it was all a bit like okay. It kind of felt a bit afterthoughty, but it, it 
it helped that they just stuck with it. As soon as it, the reveal it was, came it was through, nice that they gave him, you know, a real human villain. Yeah. And I think that's great in, you know, in, in, in this day and age where we're escalating bad guys to ridiculous mythic proportions. It was nice. It was that kind of iron, was it? I remember that was civil war where literally the bad guy was just a guy. Yeah. Was it civil war? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the guy from Sokovia. Yeah. That's yeah. Civil war. The, the, the general. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was nice that <clears throat> it was just a human and that a human with their mind can do a lot more damage than somebody with bigger powers. Yeah. I guess uh, you know that that's always been kind of my my take in role playing games that you know you can People go on about how how hard their characters are and and they want to build them up to epic proportions. But as as a GM, you can immediately just come up with something that is bigger and badder. Yeah. So it's more important to focus on the whys and you know the psychological aspects of it than just going, well, I'm the GM, therefore here's a bigger, badder than you, and oh look, you're dead. Yeah, that's fine. Which I guess kind of brings us on to Justice League. Um. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I haven't seen Justice League. I, I, I so before I go to that. So any final thoughts on the Punisher? Oh, on the Punisher. I thought I thought it was great. I a- thought anything after... in terms of how it fits into the the, the wider Marvel. TV universe or going forward? Um, well, the Marvel TV universe is fucking huge now. <laughs> it's getting yeah, stupidly it big. Um, I, I don't know where it fits or if it ne- even needs to. Um, I'm not sure what the next wave of the Netflix shows is going to do. Uh, I don't think they're going to have long to do anything with it because remember, this is all owned by Disney. Well, they, uh, but this is what I'm going to say. Haven't they pulled the deal with yeah. Netflix? Disney have pulled their stuff from 2019, so we might not get many more many more shows. I don't think we'll get another ensemble piece on Netflix. So um, not another Defenders, but we may well see Jessica Jones too. We'll see JJ two. I think that's that's already in production. I think so. We'll, we'll probably get that. Um, but then, yeah, if we see them again, it won't be on Netflix. It'll be on whatever service Disney are putting out as their director fan service. Um, so, so I, what do you make of that? What what, well, what are the ramifications for that, given that, you know, the kind of Marvel Netflix shows are one of the linchpins of Netflix? Well, yeah, but Netflix bought Miller World in August. So I put up a post on this on, on, on the site. Um, Netflix, I think, are preparing for this. They brought Miller World, which is Mark Miller's sort of publishing company for the Kick-Ass and uh, Kingsman and all of his his um, titles mm-hmm. and Netflix are now going to put out their own comic. Um, let's see if I can pull up the article on Wonky Spanner that I wrote. There was, I say wrote, it's just, really, it's just a press release basically. Um, Here's a little thing I wrote. <laughs> Not going to sing it note for note. Okay, so it's called The Magic Order. And The Magic Order, it's going to be written by Mark Miller and it's going to be Netflix's very first comic book. They'll be putting it out 
on online and through print media, through all regular service, uh, regular retailers and outlets as their own title. And there's no plans immediately to adapt it to to, to uh, television, but I would imagine that's where they're going with it. I think they've seen the success of a comic book-based TV universe, and they're going to create their own. And I could probably see them adapting Kingsman or Kick-Ass for TV as well. Yep, yep. Can't argue so with that. It, yeah, so if Disney go ahead and pull this stuff, which they're going to from 2019, I think Netflix will have other things to, to put up. But where does it leave the MCU in terms of feature shows like this? I don't think it makes any difference. I think we'll see them to some different format. Well, I guess the, the MCU and the, the, the MCTVU are, are, are very different things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how it how it all pans out. Because obviously the, the, they announced, I think it was like yesterday, that Marvel are planning on uh, putting out movies for another 20 years. Not, yeah, but... Not 20 movies, 20 years. Yeah, but they're also, I think, going to reset after the end of Phase 4. Indeed, yes. So the, uh, apparently Kevin Feige's gone on record as saying that, you know, th- there's going to be before Infinity War and after. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, yeah, not even end of Phase 4. After Infinity War's Part 2. Yeah. Avengers 4, I think, is going to be the, the the end of this version of the MCU. This iteration of the MCU, yeah. yeah. We'll see some crossovers and we'll see some people not make it. But you know what? I, I think it's good that it fractures again because... Otherwise, it all becomes a bit too codependent. But okay, so so this leaves us at, at, at a crossroads of where to talk about. Do we talk about Thor Ragnarok or do we talk about Justice League? Oh uh, well, let's finish on a high. So we'll save Thor Ragnarok <laughs> to last, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Justice League. Yep, I never saw it. This, it wasn't this all, bad. This is all on you. It wasn't bad. Really? Yeah, I've heard. Exactly the opposite from everybody. Really? Yeah. Like, even the movie Bob. Well, I say even the movie Bob, he was always going to review it harshly, but I trust his reviews. Okay, well, he... uh, le- level his criticisms at me and I'll see what I can do about it. Because I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as Wonder Woman at all, but it was a hell of a lot better than I was expecting. So the general view that I'm getting is that the 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 change in director and the change in approach the the visual color grade of it um that change meant that costumes that were originally designed to be lit in Zack Snyder's graded universe looked ridiculous when lit in the Joss Whedon graded universe okay um and that the suits looked clunky and terrible uh, that Superman coming back was dealt with with no grace at all. It was quickly forgotten about. Okay, so uh, I guess to kind of to answer the the production level questions first, um, <clears throat> I felt that it it really wasn't that noticeable unless you were looking for it. And okay. I, I, I think that I think in general this film is suffering from people. Uh, analyzing it too much yeah and to be honest 
yeah, yeah. To be honest, this film was never going to have an easy ride coming out to to reviews. No, it wasn't. I, you know, I went into it predisposed to hate it. Yeah. Because of everything that's happened so far in the in the DC like movie universe, because it's been misstep after misstep until Wonder Woman. So I think Wonder Woman was a, a great step forward, and uh, I think that Justice League was a cautious one step backwards. Okay. So I, I you know, I, I think there's always going to be. Um, a lot of discussion going on as to which director was responsible for which shots. Um, There's going to be a hell of a lot of discussion about, you know, the fact that Joss Whedon didn't get involved in publicity and didn't do this, that and the other, and, and did like some post about the bad guy being rubbish and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. But on its own, it actually stands up as a reasonable film. Um, I think that they, they bring all the characters in quite nicely. Um, I think that there are highlight characters. I think the flash is great and I'm really looking forward to seeing a standalone movie with him. (coughs) I heard that Jason Momoa as Aquaman was absolutely awful. I don't think he was awful as Aquaman. I think he was a completely different take on Aquaman that no one was expecting. He's essentially Mm -hmm. a bad mouthed surfer dude. Yeah, which is is not how he is portrayed in most things, and again, I think it's a fresh take on him, and it I think it's to kind of throw off those shackles of well, it's Aquaman, isn't it? Yeah, the, the main left prism I have I've had leveled at him is that he has no charisma on screen for this film. Mm. Is that fair? I think it's relatively fair. I think that they essentially use him as eye candy okay um you know i think that there's been a lot of criticism leveled at the film over the kind of the costumes of the amazons and things like that which i think you know there were certain pictures taken that criticized the costume designer in in kind of taking a massive step backward which in my opinion was taken massively out of context because having seen the film there is like one scene with the Amazons in it. And I think that picture that was put out online captured like the 10 least dressed extras out of the entire sequence. Okay. Whereas all the characters who were in the previous films were all dressed in exactly the same armor. Okay. So I think that there's been a lot of out of context criticism put on it for that as well. And again, really, that doesn't sound like the internet. Well, indeed. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I think this is what this film is suffering from in in a lot of ways. And you know what? It wasn't it wasn't the best bad guy. You know, he was a big raw, a bit like Ronan from Guardians of the Galaxy. He had a hammer. He could kind of teleport around places, and he was after some boxes, and they did some things. Um, yeah, he, he wasn't. A, a compelling bad guy. He was just a big smashy dude with powers. Fair enough. But I think that the the characters that they brought in, I thought were nice. It was nice getting kind of Batman and, and the other characters to go around and draw them together. Um, as for criticisms about how they dealt with bringing Superman back, 
I think it was dealt with by a MacGuffin and it was kind of like a, well, let's do this and it'll work. And even one of the characters voices it going, well, isn't this exactly what Lex did in the last film? (laughs) And that went really badly. Uh, And they're like, yeah, well, hey, we'll deal with it. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then yeah so they brought him back that you know i i was i was kind of half expecting and then the, and maybe this is just me but i i was kind of half expecting uh superman just to like turn on a dime when like somebody said martha at him <laughs> <laughs> just just to kind of square that circle <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that never occurred. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a bit of a scrap between them all, and they, you know, eventually he kind of pulled, yeah, 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 without ruining one of the big reveals of the film, they used the big guns on him, and then okay. it all got better. All right. So, so- yeah. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was a hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to be. All right. It's, it's going to be one that I wait to watch. It'll be a DVD release for me. Yeah, yeah. Cinema. Do it. You know, it, it, it is worth a watch, you know, it having watched all the other entries in the DC cinematic universe so far, this is one of the least shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll give it a watch then. If I sat through suicide squad, I can sit through this, I guess. Hmm. Quite. Okay. Which, which actually, uh, as a random aside, they uh, there was a trailer at the start, which is for a new Netflix series that is from the director of Suicide Squad, starring Will Smith. Um, oh, appears yeah. to be like Fairy Tale Police Department. Yeah. Yeah, it starts next month, I think. Yeah. So uh, we, we watched it. Me, and Megan was sat there, and Megan was just like. This is just Suicide Squad again. I was like, well, it's Suicide Squad with added fairies. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. We'll be watching that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not high on my list, I have to no. say. No. Okay, then uh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay, well, your initial reactions on this one, sir? I fucking loved it. Hell yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> I did too. I have not laughed so much at cinema in quite a while. I thought it was fantastic. I'll tell you um, what, though. It made me very, very happy that I didn't watch any trailers for it. Because having watched the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 Blu-ray the other night, there's the yeah. trailer, and it, it, it does that whole initial scene of him on the chain. Yeah, does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, if I'd have watched that before I went to the cinema, it would have ruined it. No, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was an utter, utter comedy, and it was great. It was. Um, I I was struggling to remember the last time I watched a film where the lead character was the butt of so many many jokes. Yeah. Um, Other than obvious Thor movies, like the first Thor. Um, But no, no... absolutely loved it it was it was clever it was witty it was funny 
but you know what? Again, it could have done without the bad guy. Uh, Hella. Yeah. No, I think Hella was needed. I think something was needed. I, I, I don't think bringing something comparable in power to Odin again was worthwhile. It was just so that the um, demon could destroy Asgard. That was the whole purpose of this film. Yep, so I think they should have gone with that instead of bringing Healer into it. I kind of liked her. I see. I I found her entirely superfluous. It just it felt like Supernatural season eleven. Oh, I don't know. Like Kate Blanchett just utterly chewing the scenery and being a villain was just amazing. I, 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 I don't think she got the chance to. I just I think she got a, a cursory few scenes in which essentially she was just like meh, no effect, no effect, no effect. It, just, it, it felt like a, like an overly powerful LARP NPC that you just throw in just to like, terrify the players. <laughs> they just yeah. wanders around and everyone throws everything and they just wander around going, no effect, no effect, no effect. Oh, uh, and I'll chop your arm off. See, I don't think she was... like She didn't play a traditional villain role. I don't think she's there to be the, a traditional villain of the story. I think she is there literally as the pivot around which um, Thor's character development comes to life. I think I think that's her purpose. Her purpose is a deeper narrative purpose than just being a bad guy. She's there to really hammer home the idea of home, um, which is the overall theme of the, the film, and to make a point about destiny and fate. But and, I and think, have and have Thor grow up. Yeah, but I think that it was kind of that if that was the intention, then it was kind of ruined by moments where she's literally slaughtering thousands of people offhandedly. Really? Well, no. that, that, that was how I felt. I just, I, I just felt that it was uh, what was uh, the other film, uh, Ultraviolet if you remember that film, no. um, which is just like uh, it was that and Eon Flux, the remake of Eon Flux, where they just, the, the, as the scenes progress, they just throw an in, exponentially increasing number of, of assailants against a single kind of melee fighter. And it just escalates to proportions where they're literally scything down like tens of thousands of people in a single swing. And I think it just, it, it, it just loses any kind of, it loses any gravitas or any feeling when you're, when you're dealing with like killing that amount of people in a single sweep without thinking about it. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I, I can kind of see where you're coming from. I, I felt the same in, other films recently like Jurassic World like there's there is no feeling of threat if uh masses of nameless peons are being murdered but no it, it's not about feelings of threat it's the other way around because it's them it, it's the bad guy slaughtering the good guys in their thousands And it makes you not care. 
Well, okay, yeah, fair enough. I didn't care. Like, I didn't care about anything Helen did. But, you know, when she's wiping out an entire race of people in Asgard, and the whole point of the film is around the destruction of Asgard, you want to care. You want to care about the fate of these people, otherwise what's the point? Um... No? Well, yeah. No, you know, you're right. You're right, and I think... We, I think we get that at the Rainbow Bridge at the end with the rescue. I think I think we care. And I think... I think the film does enough to make you care about Asgard to make you realise the sacrifice Thor has to make. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess... I guess Hela's not a strong villain in traditional sense, but I never really I never really saw that as being the main story of the film. Mm. Like, I think if the main story of the film was Thor versus Hela for the win, I, I think you're right. But I don't think in all of the I don't think in all of it that actually that's the focus of the movie. I think the movie isn't quite as uh, world ending as as Ragnarok suggests, that there's a much smaller world inside a couple of people that is where the fight is. Do you know what I mean? I guess, but I guess I, it, it's one of those things that I can't get past the kind of ancillary damage. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, like, like I said, I think if if that was the purpose of the film, if the film was Thor versus Hela, then I'm completely with you. And I think, but no, no. I mean, I think even if if what you're saying is, you know, it, it's about the destruction of uh, of Asgard at the hands of the demon, and but the fact is, the demon was there just to remove Hela. But at that point, Hela had done untold destruction to it to the point where there were hardly any Asgardians left. There's only a ship full. Yeah. So I guess I, I I kind of felt like literally that he was turning up to destroy like a ruined city that there was nothing left of. I guess I don't I don't really know. Like <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I just kind of felt that that again it was it was kind of ramping up the ramping up the stakes and ranking up the abilities of the big bads to epic proportions and i guess what makes me concerned is that that's what they're doing to prepare us for thanos oh okay okay how so that essentially what we're putting ourselves into with infinity war is just the wanton destruction of planet after planet which we're not going to care about until it gets to us uh okay i think we will i think it was i think it was slightly different i can see that being different in infinity wars i think guardians has done enough to create a universe that we care about we're going to care about nova core we are, but then again, Guardians 2 did exactly the same thing in that Ego 
set off his his bomb on all the planets and killed countless hundreds of thousands of people, which wasn't even addressed in any of the next films. Because one of them went off on Earth and that thing just rolls over people and murders thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And again, it's just not even been mentioned. (laughs) Maybe it's a continuity thing. I don't know where it happened in the... um... In, in the, the, the timeline, indeed. Yeah. It's a timeline issue there, I think. Maybe I'm, um, I'm getting on my high horse over everything. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess th- th- this is me having my soapbox moment. that I just That's I, absolutely fine. I, I had so many of them. I just kind of feel that a lot of these films are ramping up the destruction factor to kind of, you know, and, and beyond Batman versus Superman levels without addressing the impact of the human cost. Um, yeah, although I do feel that the MCU handles that better. It does handle it better, but I, 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 and I had this conversation the other night when I finally got around to watching Spider-Man, which is, uh, about kind of why isn't Spider-Man registered under the Sokovia Accords? <laughs> um, so we have to go redo, redo Civil War, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause he was fighting on Iron Man's side. And nobody knows who he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Yet he's supposed to be a registered superhero. Yeah. And not out crime fighting on his own without yeah, any kind of oversight. Imagine Tony Stark being so hypocritical. Indeed. So, yeah, that, that, that just struck me when I watched Spider-Man the other day. <laughs> but, hey. Did you enjoy Spider-Man, by the way? I really did. I thought it was excellent. I really, really did. I thought it yeah, a, a fantastic introduction to the characters. Yeah. Um, okay, back to Ragnarok, though. Back on back on topic. No more tangents, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're wholly to blame, sir. No, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> so, back on Ragnarok. Um... I'm glad to see the Hulk back. In a lot of ways, we were kind of right about Planet Hulk. A little bit. I mean, it wasn't massively Planet... It wasn't overly Planet Hulk. Um, but it but was. It was, nice to, it was nice to see little bits. Um, uh, I thought Jeff Goldblum as well uh, was just out of this world. Again, there was a lot of chewing the scenery. He was just fantastic though yeah, he was. like Jeff Goldblum is just an absolute legend yeah. uh, um, I thought it was a really colourful movie I liked that yeah. the soundtrack was awesome like I thought the pacing was fantastic as well yeah like, I think yeah. I think for me the highlight of it was the kind of it was the offhand comedy oh it was all Korg it was all down to Korg. Well, a, a bit of it, but then, you know, there was a lot of the moments you just didn't expect. And, you know, it like Loki's reaction to the Hulk. <laughs> Things like that, yeah. you know. It, uh, and then, you know, the, the callbacks of now you know how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like um, that. The one really nice little callback was, uh, it, it was a hella callback. 
when she's walking through Odin's vaults. Yeah. And she walks she walks past the Infinity Glove. Yeah. She just looks at it and goes, that's a fake. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Um, yeah. No, that, as, it was, as a comedy, it was just... It was just brilliant. It's a really, really, really funny film. Well, yeah, I don't think as a comedy, it was a comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the most overtly comedic one so far. Yep, absolutely. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But here's the thing. It doesn't make my top five. No, that, that's fairly justified. Yeah, like as good as it was, and it was fantastic. And as much as I laughed and enjoyed it, I think there are better made films and it was very different and for me it there were a lot of notes it didn't hit you know i I, and it's a lot of what i've been saying i i didn't resonate with the cause i didn't resonate with the characters there wasn't any kind of holy shit moments or feel good moments or anything like that in it um there was no no tingle factor no me standing up going woo it was just yeah it was great and i laughed a lot I don't know. I got some during the Hulk pit fight with Thor. Really? Okay. Yeah, I thought that fight was really, really well done. Um, I thought there was more at play there than just the physicality of it. Mm. And know, I lo- and I loved Korg. I thought Korg was great. Yeah, indeed. And that you know, the utter, utterly brilliant takeaway scenes, like just. Thor constantly saying, you know, that the sun's going down, the sun's going down. So that, that repeated one was just brilliant. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, there, there are better films though. Definitely. Because it was, there were better films. Definitely. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Would highly recommend it. Uh, yep, indeed. As uh, as a continued entry in the MCU, yeah, definitely. And you know, it works to set up other things later on. You know, we had the return of the Tesseract and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's far and away the best Thor film there is as well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Thor, Thor two is it comes in close, only let down by its bad guys. That seems to be a theme with you and Thor movies. <laughs> I think it's a theme with me and a lot of other movies, not just Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm firmly of the belief that it's not just being the kind of biggest, baddest thing that makes a bad guy. There's got to be that charisma and the ability to just really get inside the hero's heads and fuck about with them. Yeah, okay. So you, I, I don't know exactly what you're after as well. You're after more people like Kingpin. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, you're after a more you're after a, a villain that is as nuanced as the hero. Yeah, indeed. And 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 can put the heroes through as much problems psychologically as can physically. It's not just about hitting them. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm totally with you on that and and yeah, I can see where you're coming from now with Hella in that regard. Yeah. Um yeah. Cool. Cool. What cool. else? What else do we have? Well, I think we could go on all night, but we've already run over the hour. We have run over the hour. Um, Very quickly, then, I want to say that I am finding this year's full season to be quite hard. Hard work. I've already walked away from a couple of shows, including The Walking Dead. That's fair. I've kind of kept up with it, but it 
you know, I, I watched the latest one, and it's not something that I'm enjoying. It's something I'm enduring. Yeah, that's my issue. So I, I've just stopped now. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what is good. Marvel's Runaways. Uh, I've not seen that yet. I have never been so happy in my life to have absolutely no clue about the source material this is based on. <laughs> I was watching the ep- I was watching episode two and I was just like, what the fuck? Has this company got a dinosaur in their basement? What's going on? Um, it's awesome. It's so good. So, so good. Uh, definitely recommend that. Um, yeah. And Wisdom of the Crowd. Okay. I've not come across that one at all. Wisdom of the Crowd, that was your pick. Was it? Oh, yeah. that was the, the, the yeah, the, the kind of crowdsourced first of interest type thing. Get past the first two episodes, and it's really good. Do you know what? I haven't downloaded any of it. So, yeah, I think I must have forgotten to add that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> that That's how bad it is. Uh, no, honestly, I'm, I, there, there, I, I have like four or five episodes a day at the moment, so I, I, I understand totally what you're saying. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that I've just completely stopped watching yeah i've given up on the whole arrowverse um oh well, you see now i've just it. watched the first episode now of the the, the big crossover because it starts in supergirl and it's really good yeah crisis on earth X. so yeah I, I must admit i'm still sticking with them all I had to kind of binge watch a bunch of them to get up to date this weekend because I think I, I, I will say them in order that I'm interested in watching them, which is Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Supergirl, Flash, then Arrow. So that's okay. descending order of interest. I'm really interested in Legends and then everything else descending. Okay. Because Legends is hilarious. Honestly, the amount of references to other stuff packed into each individual episode is worth it alone. And you know what? It's utterly, it just doesn't give a shit about itself. It's hilarious. Uh, if I have if I have the time, then maybe. But at the moment, I've just got other shows. Honestly, Legends is totally worth it. It just just for Rory, so that yeah, the, the guy who was in Prison Break, the 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 big brother, yeah, not the little brother, not Michael, the uh, I can't remember the older one's name, uh, but him, he is utterly fantastic. And there was an episode like a couple of weeks ago where uh, there were, uh, I won't go into the, the details, but they, they they just eventually said that they were going to go and rescue him, and then he turned around and went. Mm, Prison break. I'm in. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just lines like that are just utterly genius in that. So, yeah, you, you've got to, got to love Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, I'll give it a try, maybe. Do. Make no promises, though. Do it. <laughs> uh, and what else? Uh, I mean, conspicuous by its absence, which I just, I only noticed this week and then kind of saw about its premiere, is, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, isn't back. No, it's going back for a short run. Yeah, in the new year. Well, starts in a couple of weeks. I think. Speaking of Marvel TV shows, so yeah, yeah, and that's in the same TV universe as Runaways, I think. Okay, 
they're both I mean ABC did uh ABC distribute Agents of Shield and Inhumans mm-hmm. and Hulu distribute um Runaways but ABC Studios created Runaways as well. Yeah. Haven't got past episode three of Inhumans. I haven't started it. I just it suffers from CGI dog. Yeah. Really yeah. badly. Well, after a promising start, I've kind of drifted off on Gifted as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess we have as well. I think I got up to like episode four, and now I've drifted from that and haven't watched it again. Yeah. Um, what's the stuff that I'm making efforts to actually watch every week? Uh, still Supernatural. Yeah. Later seasons, still very, very good. Uh, nice to have Mark Pellegrino back as Lucifer. <laughs> He's always a good one. Um, what else am I making sure I'm watching every week? Well, I, you know, I guess it's 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 probably the stuff that's not so exciting for people listening to the show. It's stuff like NCIS, yeah, stuff that yeah, I'm of course, keeping up with. Yeah. And Bull, Bull is still great. Bill's Bull's great. I mean, for me, the ones I'm keeping up with are Bull, Wisdom of the Crowd, um, Lucifer. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I'm mostly up to date with that, but the Orville for me. Yeah. The Orville is know. awesome. That's it. Right, we should wrap up. We should. <laughs> we should. Otherwise, I'm just going to start dissing TV shows <laughs> that have gone off the boil. Okay. Oh, actually, no, so, sorry. Just a quick thing is, is that... Uh, yet with the DC TV universe because Constantine's back for a two-parter this season in Legends and then we'll be back for a full season on CW next year. Full-length feature or is the animated feature? Uh, No, full series. Really? Series, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Matt Ryan? Yeah, Matt still? Ryan still as Constantine. Yeah, because he, he's back for a two-episode special in Legends this season, and then next year we'll be back for a full series. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'm going to get back into the DC Universe then, just for that. Just for Constantine, because Matt Ryan yeah. is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, we can actually end the show on a high Yay! note. Yay! There we go. All right, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. Like a pro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>